are, are we talking about uh, you know my 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 personal hard drive, you know, or 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 maybe yours? No, we're talking about drives that merit you know state sponsored attacks. You know, this is this is critical infrastructure. This is uh, you know big big Fortune 100 data center where they've got uh, information that's worth millions and and uh, billions of dollars. Welcome to the Masters of Data podcast, the podcast that brings the human to data. And I'm your host, Ben Newton. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Masters of Data podcast. And we are going to be exploring a different part of the data experience here, which I think we're going to be a lot of fun, uh, you know, kind of the end of the data where data goes to die. <laughs> so we're, we're talking with uh, Nathan Jones today. He's a data security expert and he has a we we're talking about before he has a very particular set of skills about data. So um, welcome to the uh, podcast, Nathan. It's good to have you here. Hey, Ben. Good to be with you. Absolutely. And so, you know, before we, we, we start digging into that, like, how did you get into that? Like, what's, what's your story? How, how did you end up where you're at? Well, um, I grew up in, I grew up in the Northwest. My, my father was a, a Microsoft employee. It was his dream that I'd kind of follow in his footsteps and, and be, uh, be an engineer. He wanted me to code everything. He, all the toys he bought me, you know, growing up, all tried to point me in that direction. And, uh, I completely failed him because I found out that I wasn't really that good at coding. So I ended up kind of taking a turn to the dark side of the sales and marketing aspect of things. So, so what, what made you decide that wasn't for you? You just didn't enjoy programming or there was was a moment when I was, I was in a lab on on a late on a Saturday when everyone else was out having some fun and, and I was trying to discover where I had left out a semicolon in my code and, I just got so angry. I mean, I've never been so angry in my life where I just, I, and I was looking around and there was nobody else there. And I, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do something where, where I'm just completely average at it. And so that was my moment of clarity was like, I knew that I could probably still hack a career, but it, it was something that I, I knew that I couldn't, uh, I, I wasn't going to be that that good at it and I probably needed to find something else. Oh yeah. No, I can, uh, I can understand that. I definitely had some, some moments like that in, in, uh, in, in college. And I, I, you, you remind me, I, I remember my first programming project I ever did in school. It was, uh, you were playing, I don't remember what the game was. It was, um, it was, uh, it was, it was some sort of like two person game and you had to like, you, you all had to program a program to like compete against each other. And my program was like, beating this guy and then it hit a bug and then it went down flaming. And, um, you know, that, that, this, that, that was not a good feeling. <laughs> so somehow I still ended up staying in that direction. But so you, you, you realize that, um, uh, programming itself is not, is not for you. So what, what did you, what did you decide to do? What, what direction did it take you from there? I, I was still fascinated with the field and I loved, uh, I loved new technology. And one of the, the way I paid my way through school was I sold uh, pest control door to door, and uh, I, I was good at getting people excited about things. And so I wanted to stay 
um, in the industry. And I, I was at the, I was at a point where I could, uh, I could hang with uh, the, the technical crowd, and I, I really enjoyed the first part of, uh, of coding, which was, all right, let's figure out, you know, how this is going to go. Let's figure out the algorithms we're going to use. What, what's going to hand off what data to what, and like th- that part, I loved. It was the actual once I, and I actually didn't even mind coding it up. It was, but once uh, it was just kicking out a bunch of compile errors, and I. That's where I completely broke down for me. So I, I, I knew enough about it and I really enjoyed it. So I, I kind of just found more of a, more of a corner that I was more comfortable with. Right. So, so how did you, how did you end up in data security specifically? What, what kind of led you, like, did you get into data center game or something or? No, I, I, I just, uh, there were, there are all kinds of ads for, you know, Hey, have an internship here. Uh, um, or if, if you want to like kind of dip your toe in the water and see what programming is actually like. And so I took a job at a, at a software company that uh, had just split off. One of the biggest uh, forensic companies out there is Access Data. They have a tool called the Ultimate Forensic Toolkit, widely used by law enforcement. And they had just, uh, they had just splintered and, and had a, kind of an offshoot called White Canyon that left them that was specialized not on the forensic side, but on the data erasure side, the exact opposite of, uh, of forensic, which is making sure that no one, no one could ever recover data from a, from a device. And they, they decided that those two things were kind of uh, incompatible. And so they split the company in two. And once that company had split off, they were, they were hiring on additional engineers. And I, and I uh, took a job where, getting paid just just a little bit, but it was more to see if I would would enjoy it. And once I decided I wasn't going to be a programmer, I was out on my way out the door and uh, the one of the uh, the CEOs stopped me and said, hey, you know, we all like you, you know, and we know that you're good on the sales side. You know, maybe maybe you want to work for us in a different capacity. And so it was kind of a moment that was, it was just one of those moments where my life took a took a turn and uh, it worked out really well. I've been, I've been doing this now for, uh, 14, 15 years now. Um, and it was all because of, you know, it, when I was on my way out the door, I had made enough friends that they were, they tried to find a spot for me and something that was kind of different. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's really interesting. So I guess that's the way a lot of these things happen is you, uh, it is, uh, you don't really see it coming and then it, it ends up, um, you know, one of those forks in the road where you had to make a, make a big choice. So you, you picked, uh, you picked data erasure is the place for you. <laughs> so that's, uh, well, you know, you know, w- one of the things too, is that, um, I, you know, I started off like earlier in my career, I, I did work around data center stuff. I actually did government contracts. And so I remember when I, when I, uh, you know, we made, we, we were first talking and I, I was looking at what you specialize in that special set of skills. You know, I think, um, a lot of people, would not off the top of their head think of that about that being so important, but anyone who's had to deal with, you know, government work or you know, particularly before, like it was just a cloud and stuff magically happened. I mean, this is complicated. I mean, we, we having to put like, you know, nails through drives and um, burning stuff and, you know, just all these complicated things we had to go to. So, so talk a little bit about, I mean, what's the, what, what makes this complicated? I mean, why, why, why is it, why is it such a big issue? Well, it, it's basically why. What, what are you going to do? 
you've, you've got all this data, it's encrypted or not, but you have all this data on drives. What are you going to do with it when it reaches its end of life? And are you going to allow that to be repurposed or reused, or are you just going to try and uh, grind it up, degauss it, pulverize it, incinerate it? The companies do all kinds of things. And uh, where, where we come in as our specialty is that we're doing a non-destructive uh, means of forensically removing that data from the drive. So we're going through and we're overriding all of the, the various locations on the drive. We're doing a specialized verification to make sure that no, no one could ever recover that, that data from there. We're doing it to NSA specifications. Um, and then that's, that's, uh, that's really the crusade that, uh, that I'm on is um, that this, these drives with this information can be securely overwritten. They don't need to be physically destroyed. They don't need to have a, a nail put through through the middle of it or, or have them degaussed or, or incinerated, um, but that a software tool can securely remove the data from there. And in fact, in a lot of cases, a software tool is, is a superior solution to that. And we've gotten a lot of big fortune 100 companies on board with this, but there's still a lot of holdouts that, are, that just, they like they like having their drives destroyed. They, 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 they enjoy it or, or it's just something that's more satisfying uh, when, you're, uh, when you're physically destroying the drives as opposed to uh, wiping the data from them. Well, well, I will say I did put a nail through a drive once and it was kind of fun. So I, 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 can, <laughs> I, can, I can sign on to that view. But yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a physical connection to things, which is kind of, you know, it's just a natural human connection. You want to see something happen and software isn't sometimes doesn't feel real for sure and and uh you know the, the nsa will put out uh, different specifications every year and they'll say you need to grind this type of drive up to this uh this size of dust and it gets progressively uh smaller every year meaning that uh hey the reason the reason why we're changing this is because we think that if someone was convinced that there was data on the, on these uh, these little pieces of shred that if they had the means to do it, they could still recover some important information. So they're constantly saying you've got to do more on the physical destruction side. Now, it's uh, are, are we talking about, uh, you know, my, my, my personal hard drive, you know, or, or, or maybe yours? No, we're talking about drives that merit you know, state-sponsored attacks. You know, this is this is critical infrastructure. This is uh, you know, big big Fortune 100 data center where they've got uh, information that's worth millions and and uh, billions of dollars. So when you're dealing with that kind of information, where there's really just there there is you fail once and that's that's it. You know, there there is zero tolerance for any type of failure in this. And so if you if you let something get out, there, there's just there's no room for for uh, mistakes in this. Yeah, no, no. It, it makes a lot of sense. Cause it, it, and it's, it's like uh, not quite drives, but I always remember the uh, you know stories about, um, you know, in Iran, how they uh, they they shredded the documents and then people spent, I think, months or years like piecing the documents back together. I mean, if someone's motivated enough. And it's important enough. The amount of expense they'll go to, you know, reverse engineer this stuff is is big. So it's not just um, what would seem, you know, over the top in a normal situation is not, you know, is is different when you're dealing with this kind of level of data. I would think. 
and, and, and people will still continue to go over the top where they'll use our tool, which is uh, base, certified by the NSA to, to completely remove any type of forensic uh, recovery possibility. And they'll, even after that's done and it's been certified, they'll still uh, go through the physical destruction side. So some, and then they'll take it even beyond that, where they'll, they'll say, we can't have a single, uh, we can't have a single point of failure as far as the personnel goes. So we need to have uh, multiple people in different rooms, one of them doing the, the wiping, one of them doing the verification, then one of them doing the physical destruction. And these three people are never allowed to communicate with each other. It's, it, it gets pretty serious in some cases. Yeah, no, it will. All, all I'm imagining now is what they need is that, uh, what's the, uh, what's the big bad guy in the Avengers that has the, uh, all the rings and all the stones Thanos. and he can, yeah. Thanos. Thank you. Yeah. I would, um, you, you just, you just need to, if, yeah. If you had Thanos, you could take care of it all. <laughs> well, I don't get rid of um, the data, right? So there's still, be stuff. yeah. Oh, that's still that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Okay. You got me. Um, so, 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 so Ty, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things after after worked in environments like that, like I've still got drives. Yeah. was that we, we just moved recently and I, I was, digging through my boxes, like putting stuff up and I've still got drives that are probably like 15 years old because I'm afraid to do anything with them because it got beat into me that you had to think about stuff like that. So, um, it's, um, I mean, it's a big deal, but like, so, so, so talk to me a little about the software side of this, because like we were talking about destroying. So you, you, you've got systems that are end of life or for whatever reason, they're, they're, they're being put aside. They, they have to think about the data. And I, and I know that like in these, you know, it's not just, you know, government stuff. You've, you've got these, um, you know, even big internet companies that are just going through, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of drives that they, that they have to deal with. And, um, you know, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. I was assuming like, like we were saying to put hammers through them and stuff like that, but it's, it's actually expensive. It's time consuming. Um, so what what does it actually mean from like a software perspective? Because I can understand anyone can understand. You put a nail through a drive, you know, you do you degauss or whatever. They're, they're like something physical that you can imagine happening to it. But what what does it mean from a software perspective to erase data like that? Like what do you have to think about? Yeah. So uh, the, the 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 core principle is that we're just going to go through and in every addressable location, whether it be a platter based drive or a, or a solid state drive. We're going to go to every addressable location and we're going to overwrite uh, useless information across there. And different countries um, and different industries will have different standards as to how they want to be done. If they want to be done just once properly or if they want to be done multiple times, you have the old DOD 5220.22-M standard that came out around 2001 that said you needed to overwrite it three or seven times, depending. Um, and then the NIST uh, 888R1 standard came out uh, about four or five years ago that said, no, that's not necessary. However, the the DOD standard wasn't taken into account solid state drives, which have what's called wear leveling areas. So if you've got a one uh, terabyte uh, SSD, the actual size of that's like 1.18 or 1.2. That additional space is used mm. to prolong the life of those SSDs. And if you're not going, if you're not hitting that space, well, then someone could uh, actually pull the chips off of that SSD and read the raw data. So we weren't taking that into account around 2001. So the, the standard, the standards are evolving, but the principle is still the same. We're just making sure that there is that we're overriding every addressable, every location on that uh, device, no matter how the 
drive controller is trying to protect it to make any type of recovery, even if, even in higher end labs, even if you're going to try and throw them under an atomic microscope, make any type of recovery uh, impossible. You know, and, and, and I guess like, you know, talk a little bit about that. Cause I mean, on, on some level, I remember the first time that, that I, I saw this, you, 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 you think about is like, okay, when I, you know, even beyond the obvious is like, I, you know, I delete the data through, through, um, you know, my computer and I say, you know, delete this or something like that. But even if you get to like the deeper level, I remember doing with drives where you, you override it all with like ones and zeros or like random stuff or things like that. But it like, why, why do you even have to think about multiple times like that? Like, why does that, why does that matter? That kind of, that's, that's a, it's a fun question. It's, it's kind of an, it's kind of an older question, but it's a fun one. So around, yeah. uh, around 2000, the way that uh, the hardest technology was coming along was the way that we were writing to a location, we would, we would write a one and then we would write a zero over the top uh, of the one. And if you put that platter under an electron microscope, atomic microscope, you could see, Hey, there used to be a, uh, there used to be a zero there and now there's a one and you could actually see up to, four or five or six levels deep of what used to be there. And they'll, they'll call that wow. bit shadows. And this is an incredibly expensive and painting. I mean, it's far worse than the 79 Iran, you know, the Iranians putting, uh, you know, the embassy's uh, uh, shredded documents back together. I mean, this would be incredibly painful. But the U.S. military saw, hey, wait a minute. You know, if somebody really was, uh, was adamant about trying to recover from it, we need to make sure that our drives in the in the military are being overwritten multiple times to uh, to eliminate the possibility of somebody looking into the past, so to speak, and seeing those bit shadows and saying, "Hey, there was a there was a one there, even though they overwritten it six times. There was a one there, and that one we can use. And now let's go to the next. I mean, it would be unbelievably painful to try and do a recovery like this, but it was theoretically possible." There was actually a scientist that uh, named Peter Gutman that said uh, to be 100% certain with drive, techno- drive technology as it was, you had to overwrite it 35 times. And if you do that, you're basically just burning out the <laughs> burning out your drive anyway. So it's it's it was a per- more of an academic uh, exercise than anything else. But that's why um, that's why you'll hear, hey, you need to overwrite your drives multiple times. It's, it's kind of a vestige of of that thinking that was around, uh, 2000. Okay. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, what's the, so, and you, you say it is kind of like the, the, where it was back then. I mean, what, what, what's the, what did, what do people have to think about today? Like what's, what's really kind of, you know, where it's at right now, if you're, yeah. if you're going through this. Today, it's about doing one proper overwrite and not missing anything. Um, there's different ways that control uh, drive controllers will try and hide data from you or not allow you to access the entire drive. We've talked about one, the wear leveling areas, but there's also host protected areas, uh, device configuration overlays, hidden partitions. You have remap sectors on drives. These are all uh, ways that the controller is saying, hey, you're not going to use this space. But if you were, if you were uh, really trying to do some, some high-level uh, recovery, you could go back and you could you could get that data if you were to put it under a microscope or if you were to even run uh, some of those things can be even recovered with software tools. So that makes it incredibly easy. So the state of the, the state of the art now is making sure 
that the tool that you're using is piercing every type of hurdle that the controller is throwing up to uh, prevent you from accessing uh, the entirety of the drive. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think so. so if, if if I'm understanding you right, it's, I mean, it's basically, you know, in the last, you know, a few decades of, of building um, hard drives and storage devices in general, we've, we've, you know, the, the manufacturers have created all these optimizations and all these like the complexity that makes, makes what you think you're seeing is not what's actually really happening on the device itself. And you have to like get around those, those optimizations to actually get at the, the reality beneath the surface. Is that, is that right? Exactly. And then when you're dealing with servers and you've got drives in, in RAID arrays, now you're dealing with another controller that's trying to trying to uh, control how you're accessing that data. And so we've got to be able to pierce that RAID to be able to issue uh, firmware level commands to each of the individual physical hard drives uh, to be able to do this properly. Otherwise, um, it's possible that the RAID controller is hiding something. And so we, we've got to be able to, uh, we've got to go basically down to bare metal and issue firmware level commands to these drives to be able to do a, a proper job. And then if we can't do that, then we'll flag it and we'll say, hey, you know, we weren't able to get past this RAID controller where we were just wiping a logical drive and we'll flag it. And then then you'll you'll likely still want to physically destroy that drive. But if we if we certify that a drive has met met the standard, um, it's better than anything else out there. And it it means that you can you don't need to worry about it. You can donate it to a a school, a library, charity, sell it to your employees, or you, it can leave your organization. That's what we're seeing with our large, you know, banking customers and tech customers is if it's meeting the high standard of the NIST 888R1 purge, that's the, that's the gold standard, then they'll let these devices actually leave. And they can, now they don't need to be physically destroyed. They can be reused. Yeah. Well, if, if I'm hearing, cause I mean, if we're, we, you know, we were talking about kind of the extreme things and, in you know in intelligence community and 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 uh you know military which is going to be completely different because you know they um they might have to destroy it anyway but 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 it really the thing is if you're you know you know an organization that can this this would actually end up being cheaper for you because number one you wouldn't have to go through the because i'm assuming like physically destroying these things i mean you, you correct me if i'm wrong but i'm assuming that's got to be expensive and and then also being able, and then you can recoup some of the costs later too it is yeah you're constantly having to like sharpen blades and, and it's breaking down all the time. Yeah. It's very expensive. I mean, we, 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 the numbers we see go anywhere between, uh, if you're contracting out to have this done, you're seeing prices between say five and $12 a, a drive. And, uh, so if you're talking about, uh, you know, the, but then if you're also talking about, Hey, these, these are enterprise class drives and they still, they still sell for 350 bucks a pop on the open market. So now you're not talking about, you know, five to $12, you're talking about $360 a drive. And uh, then there's also just the, the environmental factor where you're putting, you're putting a bunch of uh, scrap in the landfill. that doesn't need to be there because it could still be being used. Yeah, no, that actually, that actually makes, that actually makes a, a lot of sense. Cause I mean, that, that seems to be in some degree how, how this stuff is has changed because I would assume a lot of your 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 corporate clients are they're yeah they're thinking about this in a much you know broader way than we might have thought about it you know twenty twenty plus years ago they're 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 thinking about all those factors and they have to 
you know, uh, there is some, you know, I'm always a student of things that aren't, you know, are a little strange. I'll tell you, it's one of the strange things we've seen is actually the U.S. has been uh, moving more quickly towards uh, software, uh, software destruction versus physical destruction. And, you know, you would think that Europe, you know, where they, they, they pride themselves more on being environmentally friendly, they're very much uh, still physically destroying everything. And it's, it's our tech industry that's really uh, taking the lead on this and, and embracing the software destruction more quickly. Now you, now you think that's, is that partly because of the, the kind of money saving aspect of it? Cause I mean, everything you described, it sounds like this could actually be a really save your bottom line, not uh, having to, uh, particularly when you're it's, sorry, it's holding on to, it's holding on to going back to the beginning of our conversation It's holding on to, Oh, I, you know, I, I feel safer when I know, when I see the, the, the totes of, of scrap metal coming out, and that makes me feel better than seeing intact-looking drives leaving. That's uh, it's yeah. a, it's very much a psychological thing because we that the types of tests that we go through and the types of tests that our customers put us through, where they'll send them off to world-class labs, they'll spend thousands of dollars for recovery on on all these drives, and they'll say, you know, if you can recover anything from these drives, then we're we're not going to use this process and. 100%. And we've been doing this for so many years. And we real, you know, we realize we don't have any room for error on this. And so it's, it's something uh, that uh, we take very seriously. But, um, it, but it, the European piece is kind of a puzzle to me. I, I, I you know, when I go over there and I sometimes I'll speak at, uh, at shows, it's, it seems like it's they're they're waiting for they're, they're not going to lead the way on on this particular thing, although it's kind of sad because they in a lot of ways, they're they're kind of ahead of us on the uh, on the uh, environmental side of things. Yeah, well, and it, well, and w- one thing I would I would I would think too is that um, as I've seen, you know, because I remember when I when I was actually on a government contract in like the early two thousands. I mean, we we got our first like I don't know, it was like ten twenty terabyte you know, drive array. And we're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, now, I mean, you're talking about petabytes and petabytes and petabytes and, and particularly for some of these like data heavy industries, like there's, there's actually, it seems like there's more data infrastructure than there is compute. So I, I would, I would assume that like the problem we're talking about here is probably, it's like one of those exponential problems that like you can't, you you really can't. I mean, if you're one of these large internet data companies or a banking company where you're just dealing with this massive amounts of data, the kind of physical physical method of dealing with this just wouldn't scale, I would think. Absolutely. And then one of the nice things about having a software solution is okay, we can we can uh, we can just plug directly into the back of these cabinets and we can be wiping thousands of drives simultaneously. Um, and then, you know, if anything doesn't meet the standard, then it gets pulled and then it goes into a bin at a later point. And then we're, we're now we're we're physically destroying five percent of the drives that we're decommissioning as opposed to 100 percent. And these 95 percent are meet, meeting the higher purge standard. And now they're able to be resold. And we're rolling that back into into new equipment that we're purchasing. It's it's, it's a virtuous thing all around. It's kind of it's kind of strange that we have such an uphill battle. It's the, it's the one part of my job that feels even slight, <laughs> slightly noble. I don't, I don't get to do a lot of things. I'm like, Oh, I'm doing some, doing some good, but this is the one part that is, I, 
um, I, I, the crusade that, that I'm on is that physical destruction is unnecessary until a certain point. Now, obviously, at some point, those drives are not worth anything. And now they just need to be processed. And uh, they need, you know, you need to be a, uh, now there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into, you know, hey, let's separate out the metals and the rare, rare earths and all that properly. And, and there's a, there's some important points around that, but that's, that's much further down the road. That's not after it's been in a data center for two years and the drive's still worth 400 bucks. It's that it's, you know, after it's had a second and third life and now it's, it's turning up with a bunch of remap sectors. Now is the time that physical destruction is the way to go. Yeah, no, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. So you're basically, yeah, taking take these investments, and it's kind of like um, the secondhand store for drives. Like you, uh, like somebody else can wear that. Somebody else can use that drive. Yeah, and these and these these big these big companies, you know, they're they're absorbing the majority of the costs for getting this uh, very expensive infrastructure. But then there's a lot of mid size players that would love to be able to get, you know, equipment that's performing well, that's just a couple of years old and they don't need to have the, the top of the line. And so it's kind of starving them uh, for, for the kind of equipment that, that, that would be perfect for their use case. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, so where do you, where do you see this, um, so where do you see this industry going? I mean, what when when you think about the you you clearly been doing this doing this a while now, and you kind of have an interesting vantage point in all this. Like, what do you what do you see are the big trends that you're watching that you find interesting? Yeah, so there was uh, different uh, components in in systems that have persistent memory. So, for example, we've we just rolled out the feature to wipe uh, TPM chips. You know, that are they're holding incredibly important. Details about the encryption. Um, so we're we're flashing that as part of our process. You know, we're we're uh, some of the exciting things we're working on is we're we're working on predicting life expectancy of of, of hard drives. So we'll we'll take all the data that we can that we know about your drive and we'll say, hey, this drive is ninety uh, percent likely to last another three years. So we'll give you some. Uh, so we'll help you to decide whether or not that drive actually has a, a second uh, life. Uh, beyond that, we're working on doing uh, faster wipes. Where sometimes military, we work extensively with the with the military. Work with like the U.S. House, Senate, White House, Department of State, and they would they they uh, would love to have a wipe that's that's almost instantaneous. Not possible on platter based drives. But what we can do is we can we'll, we we uh, we can target the parts of that drive that are most essential instead of just going in in sequence around the drives. We'll hit the the most critical parts of the drive first, and then we'll work our way out to the less important. So we'll, in, in a matter of you know fifteen to twenty seconds, we've hit the majority of what you would want to erase. Um, and in that way, you know, if some if that process were to get interrupted, we've still done as much damage to that data as possible. So those are some of the exciting things we're hmm. we're working on on our side. Oh, that's uh, that sounds uh, super interesting. Yeah, I could I could see how that uh that could matter a lot in some of these kind of field situations with 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 the government. Yeah, well, um, th- this is this is this is super interesting, Nathan. I I think um you know like, like I said, having started out my career working in data centers and um kind of seeing the complexity with this, I, I think what you guys are doing is super interesting. So I, I appreciate you taking time to come on the podcast and talking with us. Ben, been a pleasure talking with you. 
Absolutely. And as always, thanks everybody for listening and, uh, you know, uh, take some time to go on iTunes and rate and review us so other people can find us and uh, catch you on the next episode. Thanks everybody. Masters of Data is brought to you by Sumo Logic. Sumo Logic is a cloud-native machine data analytics platform delivering real-time continuous intelligence as a service to build, run, and secure modern applications. Sumo Logic empowers the people who power modern business. For more information, go to sumologic.com. For more on Masters of Data, go to mastersofdata.com and subscribe. And spread the word by rating us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.